Greg Esther. I'm Alexis Grace Clark. And I'm Mauricio Dominguez. And this is Building, Building a Stage, Stage Podcast. Podcast by Break the Chain Theater Company. Ooh, that's sexy. We're back. We're doing another episode. Episode two. Episode two of Building a Stage. So we've learned a lot this past month because we went from like launching our website and starting to get followers. We're over 500 followers, which is really cool. It's super exciting, actually. (laughs) Yeah. And now we're in the stage of trying to present things to our audience and going through the learning of how to do that. So I guess we'll start with just talking about what have we learned from either doing the marketing for our big event, Lit Summer Night's Dream, or from getting things set up financially, like all of those things. Let's just go ahead, anybody, (laughs) talk about that. I think the first thing that we learned really quickly is that we are way too overzealous right now. We're so excited to like get everything out there and to really represent ourselves as a company and to like get our name out and all that good stuff. But we were hitting like a quantity over quality matter and we're still like facing it a little bit because when it comes to marketing for the show, personally, I would have preferred that we had much more time (laughs) to be able to because we did cast profiles and it's really fun and it gets people involved and, you know, people get to have that to take home really since this is a fundraising event and there won't necessarily be a lot that they get to take home besides maybe a recording of this, something for their portfolio. But it's always good to have little pieces of pictures or advertisements that you can go and take on your website. And we want to show people off, but we're going to be doing it kind of quick. <laughs> we got so excited and we were like, great, we're going to do this stuff and this stuff and this stuff. And we got to a point where we realized it's great that we have all of our ambitions, but how do we successfully... <laughs> take each individual thing we do and do it to the best of its ability yeah we ended up uh, i think towards the end of the month getting not overbooked but just approaching the end of the month and realizing oh we're doing a show and we also have to do the two podcasts so it's definitely something that you kind of learn from experience that thinking okay well for future we can spread it out so that we're not left with two weeks at the end of the month to try to do everything and you know kind of like space it out a little more so that we can give each individual project its own time and all of the attention and that way not ending up with a really hectic end of the month. Exactly. I mean, there is no template for us to go off of. There is no other theater in Southeast Michigan or just Michigan in general that is doing what we are doing. So it was going to be a trial and error sort of process because <laughs> we're the first ones to kind of do it. This is only, again, our second episode. We just had our first episode of our other podcast. This is our first live event, even if it is online. So it's a lot of things happening just so happen to be all at once. <laughs> yeah, and we definitely, there was definitely talk at our previous meeting before we went into this month where we even I think there were some dates we had that kind of slipped and we had some just like life things that took precedence and kind of just moved everything into the last two weeks of February which is just surprising but I guess you know when you are starting a business when you're starting a company all of those things will just happen because we're humans dealing with life but our other podcast that we did talk about launching we're all really proud of I think Mm -hmm. is called Speak What We Feel which is a podcast where one of us or all three of us and a guest are basically going to like dive into a topic and just kind of mine it for all that it's worth. And if you've listened to the first Speak What We Feel episode, we uh, we really kind of went hard. 
into talking about the Michigan theater scene from the perspective of black actors. We were going to say actors of color, but I was like, guys, black actors, because, you know, the people that we had on were Ashley M. Lyle, Breon Kennedy, and Dan Johnson. All of us, all of us being black actors have a different perspective than like Maurizio, you have a whole different perspective as, as a Latino actor as well. And so we wanted to make sure that A, since it's Black History Month, we're highlighting the black experience, but B, that we're also not saying that our problems are everybody's problems because it's not true. So what you're putting out there in public is a real big deal. <laughs> but I would say there's definitely some overlap, even across like different cultures, because listening in, I found myself really connecting with some of the things that Ashley or Dan were bringing up as it relates to there not being enough opportunities for actors of color to fail, to suck, you know, to try and to learn from the, from that failure. I'm sure, not just myself, but other actors of color in Michigan, I'm sure they've been in that same position where you have one opportunity to go for the one role in one show for the theater season. And if you miss out or if you don't get it, well, now you got to wait till next season. Yeah. And it's like every actor of color in the community is going for the same role. Right. Particularly the paying ones. That yeah. That's the major thing. And Dan and I were actually at an audition. Dan is in the show already, but I was doing a callback for a show that he's already in. And it's the show is two black characters and one white male character. And so when I got there, there was like a room full of white men and then like the one or two black men that were like switching out every hour to read with these. And it was amazing because like I got into I got there early. You know, you want to be early for any audition. So my audition's at 2. I got there at like 1.40 and picked up the sides, filled out my paperwork, went to the bathroom, came out. They're like, you're on. And I'm like, oh, it's like 1.44, but okay. <laughs> Did not leave the room till like 2.30 because um, Dan and I were, like, were reading with all the white guys. <laughs> and it was a, but and it was amazing. And there was a moment where we got to look at each other and go, man, all the white men are here. Like, not some of them. All They were coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> The white men, and it's like it's partially a symptom of like of theaters coming back and starting to do shows again. So all the actors are jumping on opportunities, but it was amazing to just see like you know a few black men coming in and out because again just the way the show is set up, but then just the flood <laughs> of white male of white male energy. So however that show goes, it's pro- however that show goes, whether I'm in it or not, I think it'll be a really interesting production. But that was just a cool like a cool. Um, illustration of what we had talked about the week before so we're really proud of that in short like that so it's a really good episode so please you know go go listen to that so about today trial and error so i want to just really like zero in and go in specific about the things that we've maybe tried and didn't work as well or things that we tried and worked so if anybody has any like story anything they want to share share about this past month (laughs) alexis is making you all can't see alexis is making a face that's like which one? Which one do you want to talk about? I want to talk about how I was sitting on my laptop making social media posts for almost three hours and just like banking them so I didn't have to do them the day that they have to be made. How I made like six different templates for all the different things that we're doing and just like plug and chug. Okay, we got this. We got the title here. The actor's name is going here. Okay, great. I have to do this 14 times. <laughs> great. Crap. We have like 12 days before the show, we have 14 actors. (laughs) I can't do one a day. All right, we're looking at two a day. Crap. Now with the Black History Month post, we're looking at three posts a day. Which, if we had a couple thousand followers, wouldn't be such a big deal. We don't. We're still new here. We don't expect to have thousands. We would like to someday. Please follow us. 
it was a lot. And I was just sitting there. And it was so funny, too, because I was working so late that by the time I usually go to sleep, I was still, like, wired because I was like, oh, man, like, I could I could do this. I could do that. Like, we can do this on this day. And just, like, completely brainstorming. And my fiance, Peter, is just like, you need to calm down. You need to go to sleep. You have, like, real work tomorrow. Because I work full-time job, and then I do this afterwards. But so I was just like, yeah, but, like, I could do this. And, like, this could also happen. We can do this. And st- go to sleep. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, you all know because you get all my messages. The thing I try to, like, I try to force myself to, because I have two other jobs as well. And then um, just the whole, like, business of being an actor and auditioning and trying to, like, do other things. I have to very consciously go, okay, it's 7.30. I have until from 7.30 to 9 o'clock. This is when I'm going to get these things done. And I'll tell you guys, this is when I'm going to get these things done. Because if I don't, then I'll be at work doing like break the chain stuff, which is not okay because I also work at another theater company. And, you know, they kind of need me to do stuff too. But, yeah, it's that when you really love what you're doing, you will you will just keep coming up with things with uh, with things to do what about you Mauricio? yeah i think it's been pretty similar just in in from a standpoint of being really excited for all of the upcoming things but like not perhaps looking far enough ahead to how much time we've got left because even just thinking about this episode in particular we need to have it out before the show goes on because we're planning to also highlight or you know oh yeah we're plugging midsummer in this show it yeah means, and that's that's saturday yeah so just from a scheduling standpoint hitting that last two weeks of the month and saying oh we're gonna have to have a really quick turnaround on this next episode of the podcast which again it's not a major issue it's not like i'm gonna be up until midnight splicing audio together or what have you still just kind of realizing okay, that's something to consider for the future is we need to find a way to space these things out more so that we don't end up running into this bottleneck. It's something that we're really excited about coming up too is that we are building like our first real live in-person season. We're looking into it. We're getting things done for it. But I think we need to think of like the podcasts and our you know Zoom slash YouTube slash Facebook Live events. This is also our season. Yeah. And they deserve to have production meetings. And they deserve to have all the things yes. like a normal season does. Yes. And I think we were all just a little too gung-ho to really like put that together, even though between us we probably have over 25 years of theater experience. Easy. Why did you have to age me? Oh, my God. I said between the three of us. I know, but still. Sorry, go ahead. You were still going. Fine. No, no continue. I see how it's fine. I see how it is. You're the one who just aged yourself here, Craig. This is all on you. It is on the hoodie I'm wearing today. <laughs> For those who are listening, my hoodie is is a hoodie I got for my 30th birthday last year, and I'm still wearing it because I'm not 31 yet, so I'm just going to like ride it out, plus it's winter, and this is very warm. If it helps, I'm the only one in the group who's not over 30, so there's the thing. Ooh. <laughs> I can't help you when it's the truth, sirs. Fine. Okay, I'm going to get us back on track. I got it. I'm going to get us back on track. No, this is the personality that you came to hear. These are the people. <laughs> but the government let us have a company. We registered it. We we did the legal paperwork. Anyway. No, no. The, I was trying to figure out filing my taxes this year. And they're like, well, did you do anything with, break, did you file with Break the Chain before 2022? And I was like, well, no, not really. They're like, good, because that like has to be put on your taxes and stuff because you're a business owner. I was like, oh, right. Yeah. That. I hadn't even thought about that. (laughs) That's going to be one more tax return to add or more info to add to it next year. 
Luckily, we have a very, very good tax person, Jacqueline. will be wonderful, Jacqueline Cherry. So hopefully, yeah, we'll get stuff to her once we have stuff to, to get to her. So we don't have a lot of complication with that now. But that's, again, for people starting a theater, that's another thing to think about is making sure the company I work at now, who I won't name because I'm not talking about their, I'm not talking about their real records or anything like that. Mm. But I'm just learning how you have to, you have to really like almost audit yourself. Like every single penny you spend, every single meeting you have, all of those things have to be, see how we got serious again. Every single thing has to be cataloged. Alexis is making fun of me right now. But everything has to be cataloged. Everything has to be specifically set. And for me, I'm coming into the position I'm in at that company at the end of a fiscal year for them, mm-hmm. which means that I'm just going back and looking at the records that the person that was previously in my position kept, which is great because I don't have to do very much, but I also see what I have to do, which is mountains and mountains of like paperwork, which you just have to be very consistent about doing all the time. Yeah. I mean, even when I was an apprentice at a theater in Detroit, who will also not be named, it was our job to like categorize the receipts and, you know, the the first organization aspect when it comes to getting your papers in order. That's why we currently have a Google Drive where we do put our fiscal spending. Maurizio has the biggest bill so far with the microphones and everything because this is what we need for our job. This is something that is completely relevant and we cannot do part of our job without it. But that's why we got to keep all the paperwork. That's why you not only keep your original receipts, you photocopy them for a secondary receipt. You file them in separate places just to make sure that everything is correct in order. And you're not forgetting anything because guess what? No one wants to get arrested. No one wants to get arrested. It's true. (laughs) Part of this trial and error has also been tackling the business side of Mm -hmm. running a theater. Especially as artists, of course, you get excited because we're going to have a theater company and we're going to be putting on shows and working with other actors. And that's all, you know, it's, it's great. It's a fantastic, wonderful goal to work towards. But at the same time, running a theater company has all of the business, the management, the financial And that's the part that it's not as fun as the production and acting and directing and stage design and what have you. But at the end of the day, it's still something that needs to get done. And that's part of the commitment that you make in deciding, okay, we're going to run this theater company. And like you're taking on the theater side of it and also the business part of it as well. And we're, again, in a very unique spot because we don't have a physical location. For me personally, it's almost like, oh yeah, well, clearly we're a business. We have a storefront. We have people coming in, phone number that you can call. If you need us, you know where we'll be sort of thing. But when it's kind of still more in a theoretical sense because we are still building ourselves up and we're working our way towards that physical location, I think it's almost easier to forget that you're like, wait, no, this is a business. This is not just us like goofing around, getting some friends together, trying to like do a thing. And so it, it, it's unique, again, in that situation for us. And I think from the, from the artistic director side of it, I learned a couple big lessons this month. The first being that you know, we were doing our lit summer show, our midsummer with, with our drinking and fun and rules and things like that. But being the person who is the sort of forward-facing, I guess, on the forward-facing end of this, I'm the one talking to actors and I'm the one talking to venues and spaces about possible productions and things like that for next year. But on the act and on, so on the actor side of it, I'm the person that's saying, yes, we'll work with you. And no, we won't work with you. Or no, we can't work with you. And it's really difficult when there, you have lots of people that you love, some of whom, some of whom, 
might not be able to handle working with you and you have to just be very honest and say that, you know, this project's not going to be right for us to work together on. And then the other side, which is that great. We're really happy to have you. These are the rules. <laughs> you know, this is what needs to this is what needs to happen, because now we're talking about being on the other side of the table where you can give somebody a job. It's not just our job, I think, at least to bring a person on to fulfill a function. Right. We're bringing we're putting them in a place so that they can shine. Mm-hmm. Right. That's really the thing. We want to set people up to succeed as much as possible so that it a feels special when you work with us. But B, so that we're not just throwing people together just to throw people together and with and with our event coming up it's very it was very difficult in the casting process it's kind of still ongoingly difficult to um make sure that we're balancing that and even as we talk about equity and diversity there's a lot of white folks in the community who know exactly where the job is and how to jump on and how to get the job. And so to find people of color, sometimes you have to really work hard to go and use the different venues. And that's no offense to, the, to those folks who know where to find jobs and how to jump on those jobs because those systems have just been set up and they know how to use them. It's been really difficult to try to like, I have called so many men of color and messaged them and things like that for a particular role on this show because we're just trying to have that balance. And yeah, you have to work extra hard to do it. We're going to keep working extra hard to do it, right? We're going to keep pushing, pushing, pushing for that. But but man, it's difficult and it you know, gives us some empathy for people who we've mm-hmm. been like, why aren't, you, why aren't you looking for people of color? At the same time, you still have to do the work, right? But I understand why you might think it's extra work. And it kind of explains why you see the same like five actors over and over everywhere because it's the people who have learned to use the system that has been set up. And I would even say mostly by the universities in the area. If you didn't have an education when it comes to like university level education when it com- in, with acting, you don't know a lot of the resources to go to or to check out. And I think that's just elitist. And I think it's kind of crap because this community is so small that why are you not sharing the information why are you trying to make it an elitist thing well yeah and from my and from my perspective the part where i feel like i actually made a mistake and don't want to do this again was that you know it's really hard to cast a show let's just be honest it's really really hard to cast a show and a show like this one where you do have the extenuating circumstance of people needing to be consuming alcohol during the show which means that they need to be in a safe environment they need to you know they need to be okay with what they're doing and so the first thing I did was, like a lot of my artistic director friends do, was I started just calling friends. And I realized as I was calling friends that as a black performer who has worked a lot in classical theater, like I've done, I do contemporary theater as well, but I've done a lot of classical theater. A lot of my friends in theater who are actors are white. They just are. And it's not because like, it's not that I'm avoiding the black theater people. It's just that where I've gotten the jobs has been just like we talked about in the episode of the other podcast that like black folks or people of color don't get to work together a lot. So you're usually the only person of color in the room. So you're making friends with lots of white people who are actors. And so I had to like stop myself and go, Oh wait, that's prob. I probably need to um, not just call my friends, but actually like reach out to people and say, who do you know? I need a, I need a, I need a person of color for this a person of color for that and really make that effort. I also did like a Facebook post where I was just like, Hey, we're looking for actors. And of course, because again, that's who my friend group is. It was difficult because I had to turn people away, even though there was a job, 
even though because I was like, I cannot in good conscience put on a show that is not involving people of color. And so luckily we haven't fully, fully balanced it out this time, but we have we've put in the effort to have more than what you would normally see. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we're going to be working on for the future as we talk about planning our season and our in-person events. Anybody have anything to talk about? Talk about with that, the things we've kind of been learning there. So I just wanted to add on to to what you had mentioned, because going back to Alexis's point, how when you don't come from a theater education in college, it's harder to find some of the resources. In my case, I would say that's true. I, I agree, because not having gone to college for theater, it sort of just became a bit of a trial and error thing, going to auditions, trying out and realizing, oh, they're looking for somebody who's done more characterization work or more puppet work or things like that. And starting to, on my own time by myself, okay, what are some places where I can go to study, to learn improv or to learn voice acting, that sort of thing. It puts a lot more of the work on yourself because you have to go and try to find resources rather than as you said knowing all oh, these are where the jobs are these are where the resources are let me just go there it sounds like from what you're saying being on the on now on the casting director side we kind of get to see the challenge that is posed by that same unequal access to resources where you're looking for actors of color but as you mentioned you know especially in like in our direct networks you know there's not as many perhaps as you would like to have easy access to. So it does require a little bit more work to put the word out to say, hey, we have these resources available. We have this opportunity available for for people to come in. And I would say as many actors of color that are available, that's the other thing. Because I'm making it sound like, oh man, I got two black friends. But it's not that. It's that they're working. (laughs) Like they're, you know, they're they're working and it's really hard to coordinate schedules as well, which means that then we have to find new artists of color. So I think that's if we narrow it down, that's really the thing of trying to find new artists of color to pull in to that circle. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Because there are people, you know, artists of color who are very well established in this community. But they are always busy. They are always booked and God, good for them. Because like, get that work, please. Because, you know, I've taken a step back from the acting world for a couple of reasons, mostly being health and COVID and everything. So, like, just watching it all kind of happen and even, yeah, I was trying to go back into, like, looking at some of my college connections that I still have and, like, looking at the people who are still in colleges around in the area and they're still mostly white. Which is amazing. You know, which is, and we don't, I don't want to fully bleed this into our other podcast because we like, we got real thorough with it (laughs) there. But I do want to say that it does color into what you were talking about earlier, Alexis, about picking a season and choosing the work we're going to do. One thing I really want to work on is how we pitch ideas to each other, Mm -hmm. how we uh, sit down and talk to each other. Because I know, I know for me, like I find things and I get really excited about them. Immediately I go, guys, oh my God, we could do this and we can do this and we can do this and we can do this. And then Alexis is like, great, how much does that cost? Where are we going to do it? Who's paying for it? Well, and also too, I mean, we had that huge conversation about doing a four-person all-male play. And you loved it because it was, it was queer and it was people of color and it sounded amazing. And I was like, that's great. But you have to do an all-female show right after it. Yeah. You have to even it out because we're something that we are about specifically is inclusivity. And that doesn't just go for race. It goes for everything. So that's why I know I kind of burst your bubble a little bit on that because it's just like, no, I love this idea. I definitely want to do it. I think it's a story that needs to be told. 
how are we going to offset it to make it actually inclusive? Yeah. And even things we can talk about because that that was a weirdly difficult conversation for us Mm -hmm. as well, because it wasn't that I wasn't so much angry as I was like, but it works. Why are we why are we like why are we questioning this thing that works? Because, of course, when you get really passionate about an idea and you think it works as an artist, especially one that like when I'm not doing this, I'm writing a play and no one really gets to say but me when I'm writing the play. So I'm like, oh, I can just do the thing. I just want to do the thing, right? And so the conversation we had to come back around to was just saying, oh, looking at me from my perspective, even as a black, straight, cisgendered black dude, I, I said black twice, I, because I'm extra black. It's Black History Month, blackity black. No, but um, my perspective, especially from as an actor, is that, a lot of the stuff I'm reading is stuff I can be in, right? It's stuff I, where I can go get a job somewhere doing the show. So a lot of the reservoir of, stu- of um, resources I have is like, it's just stuff that like is interesting to me from my perspective. And it's my job then if I'm going to help artistically direct and push our theater in a direction to go, oh, I need to widen my gaze. Yep. Right. It, I, it's not that because it's not that it's not that I'm being sexist. It's not that I'm being racist. It's not that I'm being prejudiced in any way, shape or form. It's just that my lens is my lens. Exactly. It's it's taking because it, it's inherently an actor thing to go after work that you see yourself in. It's kind of what you're trained to do. It's also, I think, just like a, a common psychological thing. That like, yes, I want to, you know, spend my time investing in art that I could potentially be in. I think it's just completely normal. But that's the difference that we're now finding out is that, no, we have to step away from those roles that we're used to. We have to step away from being an actor. We have to step away from being a director. This is now, we have a mission and this is our business. Yeah. And it's finding that new lens that's like something that we are still, obviously, we're new here. We're learning. But, you know, that was a big hit in the face. Yeah. And it also, as we've been scouting, you know, looking for plays to produce for the season, one of the other things that has frequently come up, you know, as I've been doing some searching on my own time, is going back to a question that, Craig, I believe you brought up at one of our, our meetings, is thinking about who is our audience for this show. I feel like there's a, a, a few shows here and there where myself as an actor I felt really drawn to the one that I can think of is um, Circle Mirror Transformation. Oh, I love that play. And so that, that was one that I was immediately drawn to, like looking through different options. I was like, oh, that would be great. I love that show. I read it. I went to an audition for it once. It was fantastic. I love it. But then stepping back and keeping in mind that same question as, uh, you know, as part of the, the group that's running the theater is thinking about, okay, this is our inaugural season. Like, who is our audience for this show? Is there enough of an... I think as an actor, you definitely find a lot of connection in the story of the play and how what it talks about. But taking it outside to an, an audience's perspective, that kind of just got me thinking a little bit deeper and a little bit harder. Is uh, your standard, you know, average audience who hasn't had a lot of experience in a theater environment or even a theater class, is this going to speak to them the same way that it's going to to actors or people who have taken a theater class? And it kind of sucks a little bit because, yeah, you get as an actor, somebody who's in theater, you get really excited. Yes, let's do this. Let's go for it. But then looking at it from a a business end perspective, because at the end of the day, you got to appeal to people and you got to show, you got to put on something that people are going to want to come see and that it's going to speak to them. 
And so kind of looking at it from that perspective, going maybe right now is not the right time for this show for us since we're just starting out and we're trying to establish our audience, you know? Yeah, this is, I mean, because it's about who we are. So like, I'm sorry, we're not doing Boeing Boeing, right? We're not, <laughs> no. you know, we're not doing Noises Off as, no. much, as much as I think those, both of those plays are hilarious. Like we're not, we're not doing those, right? There's a balance, I think, and I do think that theaters in the area and theaters that I've like worked at across the country and then theaters I've gotten to be in contact with from working at those other theaters, I have seen some amazing shows with very few people in the audience. Mm-hmm. And I have seen mediocre to average to bad shows with full houses, with full houses. And that's not to say, and again, those places will not be named and those productions won't be named, but there, there is a balance that has to take place between what we're passionate about and who our audience is. Because I think if you're not reaching out to who your audience is, then you're not gonna have success, I don't think. I think we've seen theaters, especially like in our area, where you can see people who are really excited about whatever piece they're putting on. And that's before we even get to the level like what I think of it critically or what you all think of it critically, that they're just really excited about the piece. And then you go see it and you just think, I'm glad that you have passion for this, but I don't know how you were trying to impact the world around you with it. I think you just got really excited about, I almost said a name, but I think you just got really excited about Project X and just decided to do it without thinking beyond yourself. And you have to think beyond yourself. And that's a really hard lesson to learn, I think. Yeah, and I mean, at some theaters, that's just not their thing. They're there to be a business and they are there to put on a show that people will come to. And at the end of the day, especially with theater in this area, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world because you're keeping your doors open and you're having the possibility to actually make an impact later. Yeah. Now, granted, though, we're trying to do something different than those people. You know, we aren't going to be doing the stereotypical shows that and I don't say stereotypical in a mean way. And it's just that you see them repeatedly over and over. Very often. And they're all wonderful productions. They can make you laugh your head off, but they're not going to make you think really critically. And I think we're kind of in a unique, again, I keep saying we're in a unique place, but I mean, I guess we are. We have the opportunity to even take chances that some established theaters, you know, these artistic directors, they weren't there when it started. They came in, they inherited it wherever they were. They inherited their audience. So they don't have the freedom to make risky choices. Because we are here and we're the ones starting it, we know our audience, or at least who we want to be our audience, I should say. So we're able to take those risks that these established theaters, they honestly can't. And to no fault of their own, usually. Yeah, and really what is special and specific about our position is that we're establishing all those things. Which means that if you're listening to this show, you're a part of our community. Mm -hmm. You're a part of our audience. One of the things that has been really important to me is that... We're not just a theater that goes, we're putting on a show, come to us. We're a theater that says, we're coming to you because you're our community, that this is not something that we just kind of build and hope you come to. We build this with you, right? We, so you are as much a part of what we're doing as we are. You're not typing in all the things and doing the invoices and the mountain of stuff that we're doing, but you know your ears, your, your eventual dollar if you come to see a show or you know, want to donate to us in some way says that you're invested in the thing that we're trying to do. So we're trying to take really seriously the choices that we make because we are starting to have people that want to invest in us and work with us. 
and be a part of us. And so that's the path that we're on, right? The path is building that community, building all of that so that we're not an echo chamber. We actually are speaking out to something that's in the world that's going to be around us as we're, as we're sort of building our stage. And we're going to have issues along the way. Oh, yeah. You know, we're going to we're going to mess it up sometimes, even though we can try as much as we can to not to. We are trying so hard to do this. We keep saying do it right the first time. That means taking your time and everything. But as this month has shown, we got a little too excited. <laughs> and we made some mistakes. <laughs> Were they, they're not big ones at all. They're easily correctable. We've definitely learned from them. But you can say that about running any kind of business whatsoever, let alone a not-for-profit arts theater. It brings it back to something that we also discussed when we were putting together the idea more concretely of starting a business of being able to separate the friendship part of our relationship with the business side as well and being able to have a discussion and listen to all viewpoints because going back to what you had said Craig where it might be really easy for you or for myself or Alexis to get really excited about something at the end of the day you know it is a partnership so it always helps to run it by the rest of the team and they might have a different Mm -hmm. they might be looking at it from a different perspective than you and being able to look at it from the point of view of the of the business side, not looking at it from, oh, you're my friend, you're supposed to have my back on stuff, but this is our business we're talking about. So at the end of the day, being able to discuss things without taking things personally and being able to find that middle ground. And even just going back to the conversation we were just having about like the picking of the picking of shells and like, oh my goodness, why aren't you excited about this? this of course, like on the friend level, you'd be like, "Great, you found a really you found a really cool play. I hope you get to do it." So you know, like that's where that's where you would be. But as a person who's again a partner in a business, the things that we do individually affect all of us collectively. Absolutely. And so when we're doing that work, sometimes it can be difficult because you because you do get emotional about the things that. You A, want to do the things that you know you realistically can't do, but you really want to try to do them anyway. I mean, just now, again, I won't name who I was talking to, but I've been, because we're looking for potential venues, I've had like lots of conversations where you two weren't there, right? And I mean, luckily one of them has worked out very well, so we're going to just like hold on to them. We can't tell you until until way later. I know people hate when I say that, but it's really true because... No, it's very exciting, and we definitely can't say anything, so... uh. Yeah. Get over it. But stay tuned. But definitely stay tuned. Yeah, it's really, really cool. It's very exciting. But yeah, because I'm having these meetings where you all aren't there and I'm the representative of the, of the company, I have to really walk a fine line with when people say, so what kind of things are you doing? What things are you interested in? And like the play that we talked about that we went, oh, that's really great, but we have to balance it or we might not do it because of X, Y, Z. To tell people what we were about, I was like, well, kind of stuff like this. But then the person I was talking to at said place was like, oh, great. Yeah, let's do that. And I went, no, no, we didn't pick that yet. And I had to like get on the phone with you guys and be like, I didn't tell them we were doing that for sure. I said it was a thing because the last thing I want is for you all to think, oh, he's out in the world <laughs> telling people the different things. Yes, right. Like, oh, man, we didn't we didn't agree. But he figured out a way to make it happen. And we're screwed if we don't do it because I don't want you know, I don't a, don't want to be the person that does that and be. Again, it's just, it's really hard to be the representative without everyone in the room. Well, and I had to do the same thing with marketing stuff where I'm just like, I think this looks good to me, but let me just throw this in our one of like seven group chats really quickly. And just to make sure, it's like, hey, am I completely off on this? Like, does this look okay? Is the spelling right? Because I can't spell to save my life. 
but it's just it's running by it because it's not no one thing is for any of us to decide like yeah Maurizio gets to edit stuff because me and Craig are dumb when it comes to editing stuff but but even still I'll check in you know when it, when with mm. the last podcast that we did like hey do we want to include all of it do we want to c- cut out this part something like cutting out ums and dead air and space I feel like that's that's pretty straightforward but if I'm cutting out a whole chunk of it I wouldn't just go oh I don't like this so we're not going to talk about it I still check in with you guys hey how do you feel about this part of the podcast do we need to include this do we because, yeah. yeah, at the end of the day, like you said, Craig, everything each of us is doing impacts the theater collectively. So there has to be more consideration into what you commit to and to what, what decisions you make. Because you don't want to compromise everyone else without, at the very least, getting their opinion on the matter first. Exactly. And I think it, it's just because we have a foundation of trust for each other. And I think that comes because we were friends first. And for years, we were friends. And we trusted each other to be... We trust Maurizio to do what's best for the editing. You know, they trust me to be able to do the design work that y'all are seeing on social media, even though I am probably not really qualified besides just having a basic arts degree. And then we trust Craig to be able to be that face with meeting with people because we all know that we're not going to be shysty to one another because this is something we are on a journey on this together. And while we are going to be expanding our staff, which will be a fun announcement eventually, we still are the three core people who are going to be leading this journey, no matter how many other people jump on the train with us. Also, I'm going to mention, I'm going to keep saying the word journey over and over and over again, because side note, my mother watches a lot of reality shows and they say the word journey a lot and she really hates the word journey. So I'm just going to say journey a few more times because I know that she listens to these podcasts because that's an important step on our journey is to antagonize the audience. (laughs) I do not agree with this message. I was unaware. (laughs) You know that thing about trust I just said? Look, she knows it's all love. It's fine. It's fine. She's listened even as our last podcast was, oh, this, this is a fun thing to talk about. Our last podcast when we were initially doing the um, interview for the Speak What We Feel podcast, we had like a brief second to talk about like content, right? Talk about if we're going to have podcasts that are about our community, what things do we want to have that are brought up in those conversations, shared out to the world with our community? How do we want to have things that were said be said? So for the first time, we had to put like an explicit label on that episode because it got quite explicit in some places. I think Maurizio even edited out a little bit some of the uh, very like very explicit things, like but not too much. No, not too much. No, and that was one thing where also going back to I had a thought initially of taking out all of the profanity all of the explicit parts but then going back to the idea of well this is speak what we feel mm-hmm. if we're talking about speaking what we feel and then you censor it then are we you're not really speaking what you feel you know sometimes people when it's something you are very passionate about or you feel very strongly about it's not uncommon for people to be explicit and it just didn't feel right oh yeah but let's just cut it out like no, at the end of the day this is what we feel and so if the person is comfortable enough or you know they were find enough saying it and they want to share that message, then that's what we'll share. That's why Building the Stage podcast is a PG show. <laughs> and I had to resist the urge when you talk about deleting of, you know, obscenities to just like to just drop the biggest F-bomb right there. No. Just to have you bleep it out. Just like because it would make me laugh. But again, we're a group and we're, we're being collectively specific about the way that we talk about things. But also 
on that show, the other thing is that because we're talking about our industry, which means we're talking about other places that we either have worked at, will work at, or will have to connect with in some way, we have to make an agreement amongst ourselves that are we willing to say this thing about an organization, an individual, a situation that we were in where we like explicitly put out details of that in the world? Because if we're going to be a part of our industry, we're going to have to build relationships, right? So when I'm like running around and I'm talking to different theater companies and different venues and things like that, I want to make sure that if we talk about something on our show that if I, I'm not walking into a room and having someone go, so tell me how you feel about X thing that you said, you know, on your podcast. Hopefully, like if somebody if there's someone where we have like strong feelings about like not working with them, we're not walking into that. But you never know how things get around and who that stuff connects to. So that's another thing that we're learning how to consider is how to be good citizens and think of this community. I mean, we've all been in the community for a hot minute, at least. So like, yeah, we don't have the best relationships with everybody at every theater or every actor. But that's, again, one of those things where you have to step back from you as a person and no, this is a business now. This is a business decision. These are business things. It doesn't necessarily matter what my issue is with this person. Of course, there are always deal breakers. I don't know of any currently, but like in general, you know, if you abuse an actor, no, I don't want to work with you based off principle. Don't want to do it. And not even just an actor, but literally anybody mm-hmm. in your home life, in your real like real life if you do that sort no that's a deal breaker those what are a brave I'm stance about. we're taking like if we find out that you're counterfeiting money and you're trying to take over the world in the back of your theater company we're probably not going to work with you yeah you know if you're like robbing people we're probably not gonna probably not gonna sign up for that you know but here's the thing though that stuff's not necessarily been happening here but it's been happening in the theater realm in the united states yeah. guess what that hasn't stopped people it has not. So it is actually unique and a stance we are taking by not working with those people. Yeah. And we don't really care if they know it or not. Granted, I can't think of an example right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's in the back of our heads. And I think that's what's important. An insight into one of our meetings. I take a thing and I comedically extrapolate it out to some sort of extreme. And then Alexis is like, but no, really, those things <laughs> We have to be serious about what we're, but but it's true. It, it is true that like you gotta be you gotta be very clear on who you let into your house, who you let be a part of the group. And not saying that we've like had any like bad, crazy, whatever stuff happen with anybody, but just knowing how to set that template for how to deal with people is hugely important. Yeah, being able to set up front, even if it's I mean, if it's someone whom. You may not have the best personal relationship with, but you are open to doing a collaboration with them. Being able to say, okay, like we're, we're going to work together on this, but these are the rules. These are the expectations. This is what we are going to do to make sure that everyone is supported, that everyone is gets what they need to perform, to, to participate. But in return, this is what we're expecting for you to do. You know, And if that's going to be an issue, then it's better to know about it up front so that we don't. We don't have problems. Being able to push our statement, being able to push our values and our morals onto a potentially relationship with another theater that might not share those same ideals and morals, but those could be our deal breakers. And again, our morals and ideals include don't be racist. Please be inclusive. Take care of your cast and crew. Don't abuse them. And it's those sorts of things that it's not crazy. It's not rocket science. It's not. But if you can't agree to them, 
but no. Yeah. So if we could kind of summarize what we've been talking about, I think the, the biggest things that we've learned are that managing time is important. So important. Like dates, sometimes dates for things should stay dates for things and we should try to, you know, make those as best we can. Obviously things happen, but like making sure that we are not slipping too far back so that we don't have a pile up, right? And then also making sure that when we are doing things that are public facing, we're very clear about what our message is and when our message is going to go out and um, why our message is going out at that time. Like just handling all of those things. Are there any other like final sort of wrap up y things that we that we want to talk about that we've learned, that we've gone through? I mean, this episode is about trials and like mistakes being made. And like like I said, we've done we've we found quite a few of them this month, which has been extremely educational, I think we can all agree on. We're gonna make more. See, you know, Hopefully bear with us. <laughs> but adding on to that, the one thing that I think is very helpful too is to be willing to have this type of discussion where we have that open communication where even though, yes, these, these are, again, these are my friends and we have a good working relationship, we have a good relationship, still being able to say, hey, I don't feel that this particular part is working very effectively. We need to correct it, you know, being able to have that communication because I feel like sometimes, especially when you're working with friends, it's, it can be easy to not want to say anything because you don't want to upset the person. But then all that does is just keep building up like tension, building up conflict, you know, and it's like the balloon that's just going to eventually get so full, it's going to explode. Yeah. So it's better to have an open discussion. It's like, okay, these are things we're trying to do. Th these are areas that I feel are not working very well. How can we do better about our time management? How can we do better about planning out our month so that we don't get a backlog? You know, just being able to have that. And again, not to take anything personally, because as you all said, like, we are all starting this from scratch and mistakes are going to be made, but it's how we learn from those and improve on the process that we get better. I think anyone that like is listening to this to, you know, potentially start your own theater or are interested in how it happens. It's I think the takeaways are be prepared to make mistakes, be able to separate your old artistic self and your person and be able to be professional and be able to run a business and don't be afraid of confrontation because at the end of the day, confrontation, while it might be unpleasant, it's really, really, really important. And sometimes necessary. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely necessary. Don't go into a business if you're not okay with confrontation, honestly. Because the truth is that it's just, it's going to happen and not because anybody's a bad person or because anybody is being rude or anything like that. It's just because we all want the same result. It's all about agreeing about how to get to that result. I think that's our sort of the body of our episode this week. I did put out a call for questions for Q&A. So I'm only going to do two of them because we have someone that, that asked us a couple of questions. So this is from Daniel DeRay, who was an actor based in Michigan as well. He wrote in to BreakTheChainTheaterCompany at gmail.com, like you can do, <laughs> huh, right? To, to, and maybe we'll read your questions on the show. I like two of these. The first one is, are there any chances you would accept original comedic work from playwrights? In our, in our initial formation, as we were all talking to each other about what a season might be and what we might want to do, one of our big commitments is to new work that comes out of the Michigan theater scene that is treated with the same seriousness of a new play that gets like, presented off-Broadway at the public theater or presented at the Goodman or something like that. So 
yes, we will be taking place submissions. When and how that will be, we're not going to say quite yet because we're still in the planning phase of that. But we do want people to know that, yes, we are going to be looking for plays soon. And we'll make that and we'll make that announcement soon. Yes, it will be on our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and our website also will be updated with place submissions. And of course, our email is always good if you have further questions about that. And once again, that is breakthechaintheatercompany at gmail.com. And all the social media is just type in Break the Chain Theater Company. We're there. If it's mm-hmm. a social, we're there. Maybe not Reddit because Reddit's dark and we don't want to talk about Reddit. No, we don't have Reddit. We technically have a Snapchat and TikTok, but they are not live. We are not posting on them. So I won't say don't bother. I mean, if you really want to, you can. But like, we definitely go off Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as our main sources of communication. The other question, the question we'll sort of wrap up with is... What do you think will make this theater company different from theater companies that share a similar mission statement to yours? I know. Look at the faces that just got made. Like I said, I'll, ki- I'll kick this one off, too, because I, got, I was the one that got to like read the question, so I got a little bit more time. It's, it's fine. Alexis just stuck her tongue out at me. Mauricio's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, but he's laughing because I, I'm making him sound less kind than he is. Mauricio's just like smiling like, yeah, okay, I'm thinking about an answer. Like, yeah, Mauricio's pretty cool, guys. Mauricio's <laughs> the nicest of us all. We'll just put Literally. that out there. <laughs> I will totally cop to being the third nicest staff member. It's a tie. <laughs> Ooh. What do I think makes us different than theater companies that share a similar mission to ours? I think what makes us different is the way that we're going about approaching our audience. I think that what we're trying to do, as you've heard us talk a little bit about earlier in both the last episode and this episode is that we're trying to be the theater company that comes to you so that hopefully you'll feel invested in coming to us. It's really about finding that nexus between um, nexus. I'm smart. I read Marvel comics, that nexus between sort of like content creation, YouTube, Twitch kind of stuff, and then live performance, because it's just amazing to me that like, I can look at like, anyone I've watched on YouTube, anyone that I've listened to their podcasts and, you know, they have their podcast, their Twitch, their following. And if they're somewhere live, there's an audience there straight up. And those people know who that, who those people are. They know what they're getting and they're excited because it has this person's name on it. And I haven't yet seen a theater company do that. I haven't yet seen anyone use new media to establish a brand and a following so that then when there's a live show happening where you can come and you can like, like I'm sure when we open shows, you'll see us at all the shows. Like we'll be there in, in some definitely. capacity, most even in most evenings, generally, I don't want to overcommit us to those things, but you know, we'll be there. Right. So you're going to get to see the personalities that you've gotten to know through the content that we're going to create. That's outside of the theater that we're doing. That's the thing I think I'm really excited about giving a theater that kind of new media perspective. So that's one way we're going to be different. I think the visibility part as well, that's something that we've discussed multiple times, is being able to have that openness with people so that people know this is who we are, you know, and these are the people that are essentially running the show, running things. And so we're putting ourselves out there as well so that there's more transparency when it comes to the, the theater. So, you know, like these are the people that are that are working on it. This is what they, their mission statement, this is what they stand for. This is what they want to do. Whereas sometimes I feel with, with theaters, there isn't always that availability. And a lot of the times it's because, you know, understandably staff changes, you know, people come and go. But often, as far as who is like the driving force, you don't see that very often, you know. You And so I think that's also another way to be able to connect with audiences because that way 
they also know you and I feel that establishes a bit more more trust and more connection and knowing okay I know this is Craig you know Craig's theater company so I, I've worked with him I know who he is I've heard him on podcasts I know what he's about and so that I feel it's another way to be able to connect with your audience when you're putting it right out there for everyone like hey we want to come to you yeah especially in our area no matter how much you have a mission statement I and this is like a personal belief, I'm not speaking on behalf of our theater at this point, but with the theaters that we have that have survived COVID, that are, you know, producing shows now, there isn't a super strong mission statement for them. And not to say that they don't have one and they're not sticking to it, but in the sense that a lot of them at least have fallen into, this is a business we have to keep it afloat. Because they did survive the pandemic. And, you know, even if they were being, if they were able to, be a little riskier before well now they really have to play safe because otherwise the whole thing is going to get shut down so i don't even necessarily blame them or anything it's their circumstances and it's what they have to do to survive theaters are very much still in survival mode covid changed everything yes there was zoom theater while it happened but like Maurizio and craig have both mentioned you know we are the ones that are trying to come to them and we're still trying to do it, even though live theater is still a thing. And a lot of people have dropped that off. But also with our mission statement is we keep going back to it no matter what we do. With every show that we do, with every podcast we think of, we're constantly going back to how does this fit in with our mission statement. And it's not like a, a season theme that we're sticking with each time. It's these are our core values. How is what we are doing apply to these core values in our community? And... I think it's really easy to go away from that simply to survive. And I hope we never get to that point. But in regards to how we are still different from the theater companies that are established now, is that I think we are still so ingrained with our mission statement that this is something that we are focusing on to the extent of it's our everything. Whereas I think a lot of people are like, uh, a lot of theaters, you know, have their mission statement. They're trying to stick to it. It's also not as inclusive as ours, and I don't know. I feel really passionate about this, and I don't have the right words for it because this question was sprung on me, but I think that is a huge thing that's going to set us apart from everyone else. And also the fact is, is that we want to do everything right the first time. You know, we want to be able to pay our actors. We want to be able to treat them with respect and kindness. We want to include everyone, but specifically the people who have been horribly underrepresented in Michigan theater this entire time. Yeah. So I think with all of that, that is your building a stage for the month of February. March is coming. So thank you all so much for listening. Please follow us. Leave us reviews. Thank you to the six people who left reviews on the last episode. Please leave us reviews. I will initiate the policy now that I'm springing on them. You can leave, If you can say whatever you want about us as long as you leave five stars. <laughs> leave five stars. You can call us out. You can attack, you can do whatever you want. Just leave five stars and maybe one day we might read reviews, but that's another story for a different day. So thank you all so much. Check out Lit Summer Night's Dream on February 26th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Eastern on Facebook Live and on and on YouTube, yes. It is not on Zoom. It is, it is not on Zoom. We are broadcasting a Zoom. <laughs> that's the way. So thank you all so much and that's the show. Thank you.